welcome tonight. For those who are watching online, uh, I know this looks a little different than uh, normal. Uh, and uh, we have changed some of the ways that we're doing things. So there's going to be uh, opportunities to hear some of the Kingsway worship. I encourage you to uh, check out our worship night from a, a while back. We may be able to put the link for that down below. Uh, and we'll be posting some of the worship uh, periodically as we move along. But uh, for the next little while, we're just going to be posting the messages on uh, Saturday night. So you have a chance to watch them Sunday mornings. And uh, we're just grateful that you're taking some time in the Word with us. And to all those in the building, oh man, it's just so much better with with you here. So that is uh, it's great. So if you were here last week, you heard my confession that I didn't quite know, I don't always know what to talk about. And so last week, I didn't really have the message up until probably about three o'clock in the afternoon. And um, yeah, I know it's like one of those heart pounding moments like, oh, you know, maybe there's not going to be one. And, and, and there probably would have been cheers, you know, like, woo, man, just more worship. Let's do more worship. But but uh, what we found, actually, last week, the response was just incredible as we just put our hearts before him, as we looked at the word, uh, uh, the letter to the Philippians, and just realizing how pertinent it is to today. And, and I said, I didn't know if it's going to turn into a series or not, but at least it's going to be a two-part series, because we're going to go back there again tonight. So if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians 1. We're going to finish that chapter. Um, but quick recap for those who weren't here. Uh, Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to these, uh, to these different believers. He was writing from prison and uh, he was reminding them of uh, who they were in Christ. He called them saints and said, hey, like you are saints. So think like it, act like it, live like it, believe it. That's who you are. And then he saw himself as like a slave, like a grateful slave, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And we asked that question, would we see ourselves as that way? That Jesus, whatever you say, like my answer is yes. You've like what you've done for me on the cross, the, just whatever you say, Lord, my life is yours. And then uh, Paul talked about how his prayer for us was that we would we would grow, uh, and that we would know Him more, and that we would overflow with His uh, with the love of Christ and in relationship with Christ, because our world needs it. So many people are just starving for love, and they're never going to find it anywhere in this world. But they're, they're designed to find it from him. And, and his design is that we would overflow that to our world. And then we said last week, the truth is that in order for that to happen, we actually have to do something with what we learned. So last week, the challenge was, have you joined, have you been in the word every single day? We want to do show of hands for the camera. We're going to pan the audience. How many of you were in the word every day this week? Yeah, there's a few. I love it. I love, I hope it was because we were like, you know, calling us, calling us out that we would actually do something. For those you're like, well, I wasn't here last week. You get a pass. You're, you know, you're good. But next week, hopefully you come back. But what did we find that it's, we need to intentionally develop an appetite for his word. We talked about like babies. If they're not hungry, something's wrong with them. And same with us. Sometimes it's, we, we just get so used to like, oh, well, we're at church and, you know, we got some spiritual like encouragement. But he wants more than that. He wants us to walk with him, to live with him, to hear his voice and to act on it. And that's what we learned from, from Paul's, uh, uh, the beginning of Paul's message to the Philippians. So we're going to look at that again uh, tonight. And so I just simply want to title this to live a life on purpose. To live a life on purpose. Uh, Beth went to, <laughs> so Beth went to a, uh, a conference, a women's conference, and she came back. She's like, Mark, they, they do this really cool thing there. They actually tell you all the points at the beginning of the message, and then it's way easier to follow. You're really hard to follow. And I was like, I didn't even know there was points last week. But, you know, tonight I'm going to try and give you, like, here we go. Here's, here's, here's kind of the points of where we're headed tonight. Paul just was encouraging um, the believers to live on purpose. That, that's the kind of the overarching. That's the title. If you're taking notes, you, and, and you should, just you can grab a piece of paper in front of you. You don't have to jot down everything I say. That's going to be impossible. 
But if you hear him drop something in your heart, like, man, I, I need to think about that. There's a little paper in front of you. You can pull it up, grab a pen, and jot it down. But when you think about life on purpose, what do you live for? What do you live for? And I'm going to add a word to that. What do you live for, really? Because the Sunday school answer is Jesus. That's the answer to everything, right? Like, you know, what's gray, has a furry tail, collects nuts, and lives in the forest. If it's asked at church, the answer is Jesus, right? <laughs> Sounds like a squirrel like that. I know. But that's, that's, we, get lo- we get stuck in this thing where we think, oh, it's the, that's the right answer. But that's not the, that's the, the, the question is, what do you live for, really? What, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? What is like, man, this is like, I'm inspired to do this today. What is it? Gardening? You know, like the kids? Got to get the, maybe, maybe it's the zoo? I, I love that that actually applies tonight. You know, what if it's, what is it for you? That's like, man, this is, this is what, like, this is what I'm all about. This, this is how I face my world with purpose. And over the last, you know, number of years, you're talking with people that just felt like, like, I don't know what my purpose is. There's like this lack of like, eh, I, I don't know. And, and, and and we can say, well, who cares? Why live a life on purpose? Who cares? But something in us desires that. I believe that's what God put in us. And so tonight, Paul uh, simply is going to challenge us with three things. To live our life on purpose in three ways. And here's the three. With, um, to live for the gospel, to live for Christ, and to live for eternity. There's your three points. To live for the gospel, to live for Christ, and to live for eternity. If you're like, well, that, I'd like it to rhyme or to like, start with the same letter. Okay, then to live for the message, the Messiah, and the mission. Good? Yeah, we'll see, if it's, we'll see if it works. So let's jump in. We had lots of time to get to Philippians 1. How many of you got your Bibles? Hopefully. Uh, online, you got your Bibles. Philippians chapter 1. We read to verse 11 last time. We're starting verse 12. Here's how it says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has. And I hope they put the, the, the dot, dot. Yeah, perfect. So everything that's happened to me, here's how Paul writes this part. The everything that happened to him, you're going to find out, isn't really good stuff. The everything that happened to him is he ended up in prison. He's got, he's in, he's, he's not just in a prison. He's in the Roman Praetorian Guard Palace prison. Like that's where the, the, the toughest of the tough are there. That's where he is. And um, he, he says, you know, now he's in chains as well. And so he's got all this negative stuff that's happened to him. That's what he's talking about. So now I, my question is this, how would you finish that sentence? Think back to the last couple of years, all the negative stuff that's happened in your life, and some of you have had some heavy stuff. How would you finish the sentence? All the negative things that have happened to me have taught me not to trust people, have made me bitter at so-and-so or at life in general. All that negative stuff that's happened in my life has made me doubt the goodness of God and, to be honest, sometimes the existence of God. Or maybe you're like, you know what? No, it didn't kill me. It made me stronger. How would you finish that sentence? Here's how Paul finishes it and it explains our first thought of living on purpose. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, all that negativity, all that stuff that isn't all that great that's happened to me here has helped me to what? To spread the good news. That's what it helped me to do. And I'm like, man, I thought about that. I'm like, I, I wonder, has the negative stuff that's happened in my life helped me spread the good news? Well, why did it work for Paul? Number one is like living for the gospel. He was intentional about that. That's kind of what he's encouraging them is saying, this is, this is what happened. I'm living on purpose. You know, there's, um, I thought about, you know, sharing, you know, sharing um, your faith or sharing Christ with people. Because uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, there's an election coming up. 
I know not a political message, but a little bit of political stuff right now. But it, 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 there's an election coming up. And so I've been uh, helping a friend of mine, Nate Hawkins, uh, and I've been putting up signs and t- going to the debates and talking to people. I sat the one spot and they're looking like, who's the guy in the middle? I'm like, uh, oh, that's that's Nate Hawkins. And uh, they're like, well, he looks a little wet behind the ears. I'm like, hey, that's that's my friend. Right. Like, uh, and I start, I'd start asking them, like, you know, and I sat with some others. I'm like, hey, have you heard of Nate Hawkins? I can't even count how many times I've said, hey, have you heard of, have you heard about Nate Hawkins? And uh, as I thought about that, I'm like, man, why do I care so much about Nate Hawkins? Like, why does it matter? It matters to, for me, to me, for this reason. Man, I just want a genuine Jesus follower representing Haldeman Norfolk in Queens Park. I want a man of conscience, a man of conviction. And this isn't like to say, hey, vote for Nate Hawkins, but feel free. Um, this is that spot of like, that's why it matters to me. I, I, I believe in that spot after everything we've gone through. Man, I would love for something to be different. But I thought about that. Because then I had to ask myself the question, how, how often have I walked up to people and say, hey, have you heard of Jesus and what he's done for you? I thought, man, how easy is it for me to just say, hey, have you heard of Nate Hawkins? It should be, if not more so, that, you know, knock on a door and say, hey, have you heard of Jesus? And, you know, you're like, uh, we're going to come back to that in a minute. But maybe, you know, you think, man, like I got doors slammed on me while I was canvassing. I don't want to go and ask people, you know, if you know Jesus, right? Like I know what's coming next. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh, no, he's going to ask us. That's what's going to be. I know at the end. Go out, knock on doors and ask them if they, they've heard of Jesus. That's not it. It's way worse than that. You know, Paul, Paul, if you look at Paul's life, he, he wasn't knocking on prison doors saying, hey, let me in. You know, he, he wasn't knocking on prison doors to share the gospel, but he didn't let those prison doors stop him from doing it either. And what was Paul's thing? He's like, man, I'm going to share, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for the gospel wherever I find myself. You know, if it's in prison or if it's in the palace, if it's at home or if it's abroad, my life is about living for the gospel. I'm living life on purpose. And, and I think Paul would probably have been in that spot in his life, just simply asking, well, who needs to hear this message? Who needs to hear this message about Christ? And you're like, well, what's the message? Like, what is the gospel? In its simplest form, Paul would have described it this way. Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. I don't know. Can you repeat that with me? Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. It has this little cadence to it. It's like he describes it in 1 Corinthians that this is the gospel that he shared with people. Man, Christ died for my sin, for our sin, for your sin, and he was buried. Like we always say here, he was dead, dead. And a few days later, he literally physically rose from the dead. And as a result, we are set free. And that's not just like, oh, a story. Hundreds of witnesses saw it. And so Paul says, that's the message I've just been sharing everywhere. Philippians 1 verse 13, he said, you know, in verse 12, he's like, all the negative stuff has helped me to share that message. Here's what he says, for everyone here, where he is, right where he is. He says, including the whole palace guard, the Praetorian uh, guard, he says, he knows that, that, that I'm in chains because of Christ. Verse 14, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and they boldly speak God's message without fear. You know, the the two people that he mentions here who he shares the gospel with, one is the palace guard. And they are like the special forces. They're like the Navy SEALs. They're the elite forces meant to protect the emperor and Rome. These are the tough, tough guys. They're the toughest guys protecting, you know, the, the, the guarding the prison of the toughest criminals. 
And I thought about this. Here's where Paul's like, man, he ends up in a spot where there's all these rough and tough dudes. And, and here's, here's the question. Who are the tough people in your life? In your circles? In my circles? Who are the people that I'm like, man, they're the ones who need to hear the gospel, but they're, they're tough. And maybe they're literally tough. Maybe you think, like, comes to mind is like bikers, you know, or factory workers or et cetera, whatever it is. And you're like, man, yeah, those are like, those are tough dudes. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to hear them say, say no to me. I'm like, you know, walk up to them. Hey, you want to track? Do you know, like, I think you need, you need to hear. Uh, they're, they, they, they appear tough, that tough exterior. But maybe it's relationally tough, right? Maybe it's a mother-in-law, you know, unforgiving, hostile. It's not, mine's not, but maybe yours is, you know, like peeking in the window. I know you're in there. Let's give up. We got to fight, right? Uh, we all have relational things throughout our lives. Some of you are looking at each other. Like, some are like, you're still going to get married, yeah? <laughs> I see some nudging in the, uh, in the rows. But, but that's, the, that's the, the thing. Sometimes it's like, man, like, this is tough. These people are like, that's a, that's a tough sell for me. And, and when I think about these tough people, these were tough people who were unbelievers. They, they didn't know the Lord. They, Paul's like, man, is, there's, there's this palace guard. He's like, it doesn't matter how tough they are. They needed to hear this message. And my, the fact that I ended up here in prison actually gave me the opportunity to share it with them. You know, they were people who need to know the truth, that they had a father who loved them and that he wanted them to hear the truth of good news. And, uh, you know, Paul actually you know, explains in his letter to the Colossians, he explains how he uh, and how we should share the truth uh, with unbelievers. Because I think as a church, that's a super important thing to know. If you're you know, going to live for the gospel and share it wherever you find yourself, it probably matters how you share it. Colossians 4 verse 5 says this, Walk in wisdom, wisdom, be smart about this, toward those who are outside. He's talking about unbelievers. He's like redeeming the time, verse 6, Let your speech, let the way you talk always be with grace and season with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Let your speech Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each one. And as I, as I read this a couple of times and just slowly letting it sink in, I realized Paul's like, listen, use wisdom. There's no cookie cutter message. This is, oh, I, I remember, I memorized something at church. Let me try that on somebody. That, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying like every single person is in each one. He says, use wisdom for each one. You're introducing a real person that you're talking to, to a real person, the person of Jesus. There's going to be a different conversation that happens. And, and what does he say? What should the conversation include? Grace and salt. You're like, what do you mean by salt? Well, you all know salty people. You don't like them much usually. They're the people who say the things that you're like, oh, that's awkward. Right? There's, there's the people who are like, they speak the truth. And you're like, oh man, that was, that, that was tough. But grace and salt, Paul's like, you need grace and salt. And, and to the Ephesians, he, he described it this way. Speak the truth in love. You need some truth, but you need love. You need, you need grace and you need salt. And, and, and I thought about that. I thought, man, how many times have people, Christians, just spoken the truth with other people? So you just need the truth. And there was absolutely no grace in it at all. No care for the person. Just, I just had to tell them. But what about the other side? How, how many times has it happened that people just spoke grace? Oh, they're there. It's okay. And they left the person with no answer and no hope in Jesus at all. Because the truth never came through. It was just, oh, oh, it's okay. You know, I was reminded of John's account of Jesus when he had the religious leaders bring a woman caught in adultery to him. Here you see 
truth and love, salt and grace, all in one story. You know, they, they, the, the religious leaders, they grab this woman who's caught in the act of adultery. They, they keep her all night and they bring her to Jesus in the morning. And early in the morning, they throw her down in front of him and they're like, the law says, Jesus, you know that the law says, the law says she should die. And we're like, well, wait, wait a second, our law doesn't say that, but their law did. You know, that might have been true in the law, but the truth was right there. And what is, you know, it's that famous story that he says to them, okay, fellas, if we're going to do it this way, you know, he gets down and on the ground, he begins to write in the, in the dirt. And I think he probably writes, all right, if we're going to do this, then whoever doesn't have any sins, you cast the first stone, right? And, and he, tell, he tells them, you know, are you going to be the one? Like maybe, fellas, we need to do a heart check here. Yes, her sin's obvious, but what about yours? What is that? That's salt. That's like, man, I'm not going to let you like add murder to your list. I'm going to give you some grace to, to do a heart check. But there's this truth. And, and they all drop their rocks after a while and they all leave because they all know none of us can throw the first one. It's not going to happen today, fellas. Let's get out of here. And Jesus is left alone with this woman and a crowd watching. What is, what's Jesus going to do with this woman caught in adultery? And what does he do? He says, hey, where's all your accusers? Like, where's all the people who've been saying, you're a sinner, you're, you're, you're terrible? And she's like, they're all gone. And he says these powerful words to her. He says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Now go leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you. Now go leave your life of sin. You know, there's the grace and the salt. You know, and I think that that's such a tough balance for so many of us to find that balance. He didn't condemn her. He offers her grace, but he doesn't dismiss her actions either. Man, I always get these questions. You know, what's allowed? What's, you know, you, we're going through some stuff with, um, with the school right now about their, their policies, you know, around sexuality and sexual orientation and gender identity. And, and we're talking with this, this Christian school about it. And we're just simply talking about how Jesus accepted people without accepting their lifestyle. He accepted people. And we got to become way better at that. But he didn't accept the lifestyle. He's like, no, I'm going to call sin what it is, and I'll die for it, but it's not good for you. Go leave that life. And he says, this is, this is why there's no cookie cutter. <laughs> Just say this, and it's going to work. And he's like, have some grace. There's a real person involved, but don't lose truth. You know, I think it's Paul's, probably his approach as he's sitting in these prison cells. He's probably making sure he's asking, you know, you know, whichever guard's on duty at the right time, sharing the gospel, but always getting that spot. Like, let's bring Jesus into this conversation. And I think about it, you know, I was reminded, like, they, I, th- I forget if they taught us this in Bible school for shortly after. They talked about evangelizing like a honeybee. You know, when a honeybee goes flying through and finds a flower, it's, it's going to these flowers, and if the flower's open, it goes right down in there and takes out the pollen so it can make the nectar, and it goes right down to the heart of the flower. And if the flower is closed, it just keeps flying to find the next one. And they always said the same thing, like in, in evangelism, or when you're going to share your faith, you know, be, be aware of, of, of the person's heart. If you find somebody who's got an open heart, you're going to be able to have a deep conversation. But if their heart's closed and you can feel that right away, well, then just be like the bee and buzz off. You'll do more harm than good. And I would say this, buzz off for now. Because I think sometimes when we think, oh, someone's close to the gospel, that they're closed forever. But I've learned over time that sometimes they were closed at one time and now they're open. And to just always be in those spots, like, God, who are the ones whose hearts are open to you? Who around me, who in my life, who in my circumstance needs to hear that message and lead me in that? 
You know, Paul mentions that he shared the gospel with the whole guard, all the unbelievers, all the tough guys, but he also shared it with the believers. Like, why did you share the gospel with the believers? But as he talks about, but just by him sharing the gospel, he's like, man, his boldness was contagious. Just like, man, because Paul's going to share, everyone else starts getting in on it. And I love that because I think that's what the, the church was meant to be. The believers sharing their faith wherever they find themselves. You know, I was talking with a guy this a uh, couple of weeks ago, and he, just, he was just talking about some of the things that are happening in his life. He's like, you know what? I've decided I'm just going to start sharing the gospel with my parents. He's like, I've wanted to for years, and now I, just, I have nothing left to lose. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to share with them. And I was like, I'm inspired by that. And then I was talking with another guy, and he works at, the, at Stelco, and he's like, yeah, he says, yeah, they call me the man of God there, right? He's like, he says, oh, like, I, I'm wide open about my faith. And, and, you know, it's led, he says, led to these great opportunities for conversations with, with the tough guys because I love them. I was like, man, I'm inspired by that. I'm like, uh, any time that I can sit around with people talking about Jesus, it's like, man, it, it's, it's encouraging. And I don't know if you've experienced the same thing. Maybe going to small group, you're talking about Christ. You're like, ah, you know what? I, I want to do this. And that's, that's where that encouragement is that we would continue to share with those around us. Philippians 1 verse 15, Paul says this. It's true. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. And those others, they don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition. They're not sincere. They're intending to make my chains more painful for me. Verse 18. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. What? Paul's like, that doesn't matter. What matters is that the message about Christ is being preached. Either way, so I rejoice and I continue to rejoice. So I read through that, man. I found that so interesting. Like in a world full of denominations and divisions, there's a lot of this church versus church warfare. It's like, oh, that church does this. They're no good, right? Or this church, I mean, we, we, I remember having people come to this church and be like, they'd always like, you know, try and badmouth their other church. And now I've realized that's probably happening about us wherever all of them went, right? Like over the last little while, I'm like, oh man, you know, it's like this church on church uh, th- th- feelings like, well, their doctrine's not quite this and this and this. And, this. and I, I see guys on YouTube, they just got like their channel. Their channel is, we call out every pastor as being a heretic or a false prophet. And they have a new one every, every single week. I'm like, Why? Why do we have this spot where there's like all of this? And I see that's, you know, the enemy's plans. I'm thinking about Paul sitting in prison. He, his, his thing is he doesn't go out and try and correct all their motives. He's like, fellas, you need to share the gospel with the right motives. He's like, I, I, don't, I actually don't really care because I know what the gospel can do. Just, you guys, fine, just keep sharing it. Uh, I'm not going to worry about that. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, he actually describes it as, he says, the, the message of the cross seems foolish, but it's the power of God to save that message goes out, it's, it's working, it's doing something. And, you know, they might not have the exact wording, they might not even have the right motives, but God can still move through that. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound right until I read the book of Jonah. Here's Jonah, you know, he's like, God says, go. And he's like, I don't want to go because I know you're going to save them. I'm not, I don't want to preach to them. Here's an evangelist who doesn't even believe his own message. He's like, I do, no, I'm not going to go. And what does Jonah do? He goes the other way. And what's God do? He's like, man, I love those people from Nineveh. Jonah, we're going to get you there one way or another. Easy way or the hard way. And Jonah's like, fine, I'll just die. You know, throw me overboard, fellas. I'll drown. God's like, got that covered. Swoops, eats him up, takes him over, spits him out on the beach of Nineveh. He's like, okay, now where am I? He's like, you're just outside Nineveh. What do you want me to do? The same thing I asked you to do the first time. Go and tell them. And it says he walks through the town. He gives this little message. You're all going to die. And there, and he's like, and then he goes and sits on a hill to watch it happen. And what do they do? They do exactly what Jonah expected them to do, but nobody else expects them to do. 
the king and all these terrible people, they all tear their clothes and they all repent. And, and Jonah's sitting on the hill going, see, I knew it, God. I knew it. You were going to save them. Like, I just wanted them to like all burn in a big barbecue. And, and I'm like, you see this terrible motives, terrible message, terrible everything, but God at work. His desire is to save people. You know, man, sometimes we, we forget that because it's all the people around us. I just love that there's so many empty chairs here on Saturday night. Why? Because they could be filled with people that he wants to save. That he wants to save. Did Paul care about doctrine? Because some of you are like, wait a second. I think Paul cared about doctrine. All of you who are studying Romans, you know that to be true. Paul cared about doctrine. He's like, here it is. Word for word for word. This is what it is. But he cared about the gospel more. He cared about that the gospel would be preached regardless of whether you had it all together. If you understood the full doctrine or not yet, just go out and share the gospel. And I think that's a, that's a man, that's a, that's a license of freedom for each believer. If you know Christ, you can share him. If you know Christ, you can share him with somebody else. You know, and that message, really, that's the best part of it because the message should be pointing to Christ, not the messenger. It really doesn't matter about the messenger. He's saying it should be pointing to him. And why does Paul say that? Because he was living for the gospel, but he was living for Christ. The last two points are a little shorter here. He's like, sometimes, you know, when Paul is talking about living for Christ, I thought about this. Sometimes we get caught up in living for what we're against. You know, what we're against rather than what we're for. You know, we're for Christ. And some, some will like say, well, you know, we're against this. We're against this type of marriage. Or we're against this type of behavior. Or this type of action. Or we're against this. We're against that. We're against this. And, and that against always has this negative, like, uh, pushback to it. Walls get put up, and it makes it that much more difficult to share truth, which when really, in actuality, the reason we're against any of those things is simply because we're for Christ. And if we would say, hey, you know, this is who we're for, rather than what we're against, we may find open doors, because he's for people. Philippians 1 verse 19, Paul says this, I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Christ Jesus helps me, it's going to lead to my deliverance. He's like, I'm getting out of jail. He's like, I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed, but that I'll continue to be bold, what? For Christ. Because as I have been in the past, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Whether I live or die, because for me, living, this is my definition, living means living for Christ. And dying's even better. What? He says this, if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ so I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. He's like, here's what I really want. I wish that I could go and be with Christ, and that would be far better for me. But he says, but here's the sacrifice. My sacrifice is for your sakes. It's better that I continue to live. But he says, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you'll have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. Paul's desire is like, man, I want to get out of jail one way or another. But my life here is for Christ, not for me. I want to live my life to honor him. As I read that, I'm like, man, what in my life honors him right now? How is my life best pointing to him? Asking those questions and, 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 and thinking of that thought. Paul's like, man, he must increase, I must decrease. It's the same words that John said. It's the same word, the attitude that Jesus had. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to take the low spot uh, that they might see the gospel, that they might see Christ. And I think Paul, you know, and he, he already saw himself as dead. He, he does. He, in Galatians, he writes, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's like, I've already died to everything in this world. It has nothing to offer me. And I thought about that, you know. 
to live like, to live like you know, you've already died. Many of you, I don't know if you remember this guy, Tim McGraw, years ago had that famous song, Someday I Hope You Get the Chance to what? Live like you were dying. You know, go skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, two point something seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, yeah. Yeah, and all you country, country folk. Paul's like, yeah, you know what? Someday, that's Tim's thought. Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying because you'll live differently. And I have a friend of mine who I've just seen in his life. But what about the idea of someday I hope you get the chance to live like you've died? As Jesus followers, like, man, I hope you get a chance to live a part of your life like you've died. Like you've died to the old man truly. Like you've died to, to my will, to my plans, to my desires, to my dreams, to my life. I've died to that. Because you know what else you'll have died to in that same thing? I'll have died to my past, to my sin, to my guilt, to my shame, to my death. I will have died to that as well. And to live this life with Christ. Psalm 90 verse 12, it's, it's maybe, it says this, Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to learn like that the fact that, man, we don't have a ton of time. And I think about this, I'm like, man, these great thoughts. And I think that the words of Paul, for me, is like, I haven't achieved that yet. If I'm honest, I have not achieved that yet. But I keep pressing on until I might win that prize. That I might be able to say, yeah, my, my, my whole life, literally, I, I know I've given my life to Christ. But that each and every part of it, doesn't matter. You ask for that, yours. You want me to do that? Yes. To, to each and everything. That's that, that's that struggle we go through. But Paul's saying, man, like, that's what my life is like, to intentionally live our full lives for him. Why? Paul says, because in the end, that's all that matters. That's all that's going to matter. Man, I hope you can see it uh, ahead of you, that living you know, for the gospel and living for Christ matters because then you're living for eternity. And that's that last thought, Philippians 1, verse 27. We'll finish it with me together. Philippians 1, 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or I hear about you, I'm going to know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Verse 28. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This is going to be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but you're going to be saved even by God himself. Verse 29. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And we're in this struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past. You know that I'm still in the middle of it. And then he moves on to chapter 2. But Paul's saying to them, above all, live as citizens of heaven. You know, a citizen, or citizens of Canada, most of us here, you know, inhabitant, a citizen is just an inhabitant who recognizes uh, the laws and customs of the land. They, that this is their homeland. They live by those laws. They live by those customs. They belong there. But Paul's saying to the believers, he's like, listen, recognize that you have dual citizenship now. You have dual citizenship. You should be thinking about some of the other things, not just the laws of your own land. And, and, and for some, they think, oh, well, that's the only thing. But Paul didn't say that. He's like, above all, you're a citizen of Canada still, but above that, there's something more important. You're involved in an election now, but there's something more important. And we see Paul, like he knew his Roman citizenship and he used it when he needed to. It's how he got himself out of prison. He got himself out of sticky situations. He's like, these are, my, these are my rights as a Roman. He wasn't like, you know, I'm only a citizen of heaven. But he's like, but this one's more important. This is the one that matters most. You know, and that's what I, I, I challenges me. I love the country we live in. I, I would love to see the truth that, you know, that there would be revival from sea to sea, like some would say. I would love to see people come to know Christ and realize that this is a, is a, is a God-honoring land. I would love to see that. 
But there's something more important, that there will be God-honoring citizens of heaven and occupying this country of Canada, standing together with the other citizens of the kingdom, citizens of heaven, not intimidated by our enemies, neither physical nor spiritual, and recognizing that in the great words of Maximus from Gladiator, what we do in life echoes in eternity. That we would realize that what I do today matters for eternity, so it better matter today. And that I would live my life on purpose to be intentional. Like Paul simply saying, be intentional. Living for the gospel. I can mix the weather into every conversation I have with people. But what about Jesus? Changed the way I started knocking on doors. I was talking with people and was like, hey, you know, talking about, talking about the election. And then always trying to get to that spot. Yeah, you know, it affected our church in such and such a way. Oh, church. I was like, yes. You know, begin to talk about Christ with people. Man, that's, that's that thing of saying, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not always going to be easy. It's, it might be awkward, but that's what I'm living for. I'm intentional about living for the gospel. And then second, that I'm intentional about living for Christ. It's just, man, like, that, that, that it could be said of me, whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. He's glorified. It is, that is who I'm living for, that, it, that everything in my life brings him honor. And then finally, that I would be living for eternity. And so as we close, maybe as you hear these words today, maybe there's a stirring in your heart. I don't know everybody here. I don't know everybody watching online. Maybe there's something in your heart today that you're like, yeah, I don't know that I've been living for Christ. I don't, I don't know if, you know, if that's what a Christian is, if I'm truly one. I, I don't know that I've been forgiven. You know, I think about gaining a citizenship. It's tough. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money and whatever else. It's costly. And so is the citizenship in heaven. It's costly. But it's not, it's not as difficult as we think to, to take that first step. You know, I think about that, those words, that gospel message that Christ came and died for my sin. He took my punishment. He took my punishment. He took yours. He truly did on the cross. I don't know. Oh, there it went. Um, that, that really happened. Not this cross. But there's where our sin was taken care of where he conquered death once and for all, that you and I, as Jesus followers, we will no longer need to fear death because it is no longer the end. And that there was hundreds of eyewitnesses, many of them who wrote about it so that we would know. And what did they write? Here's their words, that God so loved you that he sent his son, not to condemn you, but to save you. That if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. That he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that knowing him is life eternal. That we become truly alive inside, no longer lost, but found. No longer dead, but alive. And truly a citizen of heaven. Man, it's the news that our world needs, the hope, the love that they need. And, and the question for us tonight as Jesus followers is this, you will live your life, but will you live it on purpose? I will live the rest of my life, but will I live it on purpose? And what purpose will that be? What purpose will that be? And what will it matter for eternity? I think it's worth answering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the letter from Paul. Thank you that it wasn't just for those believers way back then, but it speaks to us today. Jesus, I pray that even tonight that you would have received honor by what happened here. 
that, that our lives, even by being here tonight, would bring glory to you. Lord, I pray that you would lead and direct us as we go from this place to see people in our lives, in our circumstances, and take the opportunity to share your good news with them. Lord, help us to see the ones whose hearts are open for you and reaching for you, and the ones that you're reaching for. Jesus, thank you that we even have this good news. Thank you for giving your life for me. (laughs) Thank you for not staying dead and giving us the hope of eternal life in you. Father, I pray for that change across many, many lives. I pray that the, even the, just the inspiration and the encouragement of one another sharing your good news would only cause it to go further and faster. Lord, we believe you for great things. Nothing's impossible for you. We believe you for great things. Father, thank you for putting your spirit in us. As we leave this place, we take you to our world. Oh, I pray you help us remember that this week. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Man, we always have some questions. We encourage you to take some time to to just ponder. And even better than that is have a conversation with somebody else. Here's, here's the things. Maybe it'll happen in the cafe today where you're just like, hey, what jumped out at you from that talk tonight? You know, do it soon because... You know, a few minutes from now, it's like, oh, it's all gone. That's why we do this. To be, have a chance to, to say, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you doing deeper in me? What jumped out? And then second, what do you live for, really? What do you live for, really? I'll smile for Bob. There you go. Yeah, you can take pictures of it. What do you live for, really? And then third, do you have tough people in your life who actually need some good news? Did faces come to mind as we went through that? Like, yeah, there's some tough people that I, maybe they're tough exterior, or maybe it's tough relationally, but you're like, man, yeah, they don't know him. They don't know him. That's probably part of the reason why they are the way they are. And then finally, what do you think it looks like to be a citizen of heaven? What do you think it looks like to be a citizen of heaven? What does that look like to live that out here and now? And then I encourage you to, to be courageous and obey Holy Spirit and whatever he dro- drops in your heart through that. So thank you for being here tonight. Thanks for the uh, watching online and pray that his kingdom will only grow through your lives this week and his will would be done through your lives. Go get your world. Go out and get your world. You're dismissed.